Hey guys, it's me, Nancy Jane Smith. Welcome back to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I have one question for you today. What the F is gratitude? Not to get all Webster's Dictionary on you, but the actual definition of gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for, and to return kindness. So on one hand, gratitude is great. Yes, we should always appreciate what we have. But what does gratitude really mean in practice? A lot of the time, it's a word that's tossed around as a solution to all our problems. We treat gratitude like it's a pill we can take to wipe away pain. But sometimes being told that I should be thankful during a difficult moment actually makes me feel worse. And that can be more harmful than helpful. I'm sitting at the crowded bar, wine glass in hand, enjoying happy hour with a friend. I've spent the weekend with my dad, who's dealing with Parkinson's with dementia, and it's been a tough weekend. And I'm sharing the experience with my friend while sitting at the bar. I say, it's just so hard watching dad struggling with dementia. I mean, it is the hardest thing I've ever faced. She is quick to reply with, oh, I'm so sorry, quickly following up with, well, maybe it would be helpful to find the gratitude here. And then she went on to list all the things I had to be grateful for. My dad had lived a good life and was in his late 70s. We had a good relationship, and at least he knew who I was. I'm sitting there, stunned. I take a sip of wine and try to gather myself. My first thought of, wait a minute, I just shared something really hard with you, and you're playing the gratitude card? is swiftly followed by my monger, who pops in for an appearance. She's right! You should be grateful, quit your whining, and remember how blessed you are. I quickly change the subject, recognizing immediately that she just can't go there with this topic. Feelings of hopelessness and guilt wash over me. My takeaway? Don't share hard moments with friends at happy hour. In moments like that, gratitude can be tricky. Gratitude should help us gain perspective in a positive way. It shouldn't be a quick fix to a bad mood or a way of wiping away our pain and suffering. So sometimes with gratitude, it's more about going deeper, taking the time to notice what's around you and let it sink in, rather than making gratitude a balm for your bad days. And when you know, incorporating gratitude into your life in this holistic, helpful way is actually a process that takes time, attention, and effort. You were talking to me on a Friday, and I have a thing with sort of with my wife. We call it Flower Friday. This is Rob Walker. He is a journalist, columnist, writer, and author. And this exercise he's talking about, it's a lesson in attention. We sort of make it a point to try to notice flowers. Now, that's a little corny, uh, but it's a real thing. Rob is literally an expert in noticing the little things. In fact, he wrote a book about it. It's called The Art of Noticing, 131 Ways to Spark Creativity, Find Inspiration, and Discover Joy in the Everyday. There are 131 prompts, games, provocations, ideas. Like, I wanted it to be a book you could flip through, get inspired by, and find things in it that you could really add to your life. Attention and curiosity originally drove Rob towards his career as a writer. I sort of discovered writing in the form of journalism when I was in college. 
I was a sort of classic, no particular direction, 18-year-old. My thinking at that point was like, well, Stephen King, that looks like fun. Maybe I could be Stephen King. I very much randomly stumbled on the student newspaper, stumbled across literally a flyer. They were looking for record reviewers, and I went and screwed up my courage and applied. I consider it very fortunate because I knew the minute that I began writing in the context of journalism, nonfiction writing, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I consider that a very rare fortune. I was very shy. So journalism gave me a framework for dealing with the world. Journalism is a field that rewards curiosity. It sort of justifies curiosity. I was sort of maybe not interested in what the teacher was saying and more interested in, you know, why is the room laid out this way? Or what kind of bird is that out the window? You know, this kind of thing. And journalism actually rewards that. It rewards the idea of noticing things that other people aren't paying attention to. And sometimes even the idea of paying attention to what you're not supposed to pay attention to. The endless curiosity thing is still the driver. That's the one through line to all of this. So talking about the curiosity and noticing, what excites you about right now, about the everyday world around you? What are some of your favorite details to notice like in the world today? when you're allowed to go to new places again, I advise people to ask about the weirdest thing in the room. Because this is always what gets the best stories. Like if you go to someone's house and you're looking at the mantle and like, you know, there's a family photo, there's some obviously beautiful vase or something that's like, oh, well, that's a collectible. And then there's some weird tchotchke. And it's like, why would you have that? And usually people just ignore that. In fact, if anything, they'll say, wow, that's a beautiful vase. But I recommend the opposite, which is like, ask about that weird thing, because there's a reason that it's there. And this works in restaurants and places like that, too, where you get the best stories by asking about the things that don't seem to belong. And people appreciate those things being noticed. Modern society wants your attention. There's a huge war on to steal your attention and direct you into looking at a certain thing at a certain time. A huge amount of our waking life now, and especially with these phones that you and I are both holding right now. It's not just advertisers vying for your attention. It's everyone you're connected with on social media. I don't want to make it sound like it's a conspiracy or like a horrible Black Mirror situation necessarily, but it is the function of the way we live. I call it the war for attention, and I felt it was very important to hold on to your attention, be able to direct your attention where you want it to. You're never going to discover anything new if you don't put yourself in unexpected situations. And that means truly unexpected situations. That means when you are in a place that you're not interested in it. I'm particularly a fan of taking, of making it a point to take a walk. I was in, I guess, Santa Clara or someplace like that where it was not really a pedestrian friendly situation at the hotel. And there was a Whole Foods and I wanted to get the snack and it was a five-minute Uber ride or a 25-minute walk through kind of not super pedestrian-friendly territory. But I did it anyway, and I actually ended up passing this restaurant that I never would have seen, and I ended up having dinner there that night. And You know, you discover things. It expands the way you're experiencing the world because you're not just like shuttling from one place to another in these hermetically sealed efficiency machines all the time. Giving yourself a chance to be surprised. I think it's uh, one of the most valuable things you can do. The things that you notice that other people don't notice are what make you an individual. And they are the basis of really all great art 
and all great entrepreneurialism. There is no being an entrepreneur without spotting an opportunity that other people have missed. You can't be a successful entrepreneur by saying like, oh, well, this category is really successful and dominated by a lot of people who are already buying and selling it. I'll do that too. That You have to use your powers of attention and noticing to zone in on what other people are missing and to believe in it, believe in your own vision and your own point of view. I regularly give the assignment of find something to complain about. A lot of what entrepreneurs notice that other people miss is problems, is something that's wrong, something that needs fixing. Why hasn't anyone fixed this? Here in New Orleans, there's tons of potholes. We have terrible street conditions in New Orleans. <laughs> there's an Instagram feed whose name I can't repeat in good company, but it's basically look at this terrible pothole. So it's documenting these things with sense of humor. It's pointing out problems. In a sense, you could say like, well, they're just complaining, but they're complaining in a delightful way. And I think that that's legitimate. And I think that that's valuable. That's just a different way of looking at the world. And I would argue a different form of being productive. I have a pretty strong stance on gratitude in the sense of that a lot of the listeners, a lot of my clients have a, I should be grateful belief. So they will, whatever they're experiencing, they'll pile on top gratitude to make themselves feel better because they should be happy all the time. But even the find something to complain about, still like at its core, there's some gratitude in there. It is really observing the world and saying, this could be better. I think someone that came in with the positive thinking bent or super grateful would be like, oh, no, no, we need to be grateful for the fact that we have streets to begin with, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's where we get in trouble, I think, is we just get too stuck in that positive bent rather than really noticing there could be change here. I mean, that's the problem in my mind with gratitude. It's very much that idea of it, it keeps us so stuck. Yeah, exactly. That that we'd just be grateful that we have streets until eventually the streets would crumble into right. nothing and we would not have streets. <laughs> and then I guess we'd be grateful that we have kind of clearings that we can drive on still, <laughs> sort of, a little bit. There's actually a lot of discourse around gratitude that I think does lead people to put it on their list of like, today I'll be grateful for something. And there's a kind of roteness to it that is just like another box to tick off. So I heard someone recently use the word, so I'm not making this up, but I can't credit it because I can't remember where exactly it came from, but I'm fascinated with it. Use the word savor. So this is a variation about being grateful for everyday things. Like, let's say you walk outside to get the mail, your brief break from the day, and it's a blue sky. You know, sometimes you go outside and it's, you don't have no idea what's going on outside. And you go, and it's like, oh, wow, it's actually a nice day. So is to savor that. And so this is a form of gratitude. The challenge is to actually pause and experience. That's why I like the word savor, because it reminds you of like when you're eating something and you're like, you know, you kind of actually slow down and actually let the food rest in your mouth so you can savor it as opposed to just swallowing it so you can get on to the next thing. That attitude, if you can apply that to whatever, maybe it's something that your dog does, like savor your dog. That sounds maybe disturbing. But, you know, or your children or your spouse. Just really have gratitude in the moment for the small things. Or maybe it's just some object that you own that's like, you know, this is a really good edge trimmer or whatever. That is a slightly different angle on the challenge of gratitude, I think, that maybe invites you back into the world and takes it out of this thing of being another 
you know, to-do list. <laughs> this is why I try to demystify the word, not demystify, but defang the word complain. This sounds funny, but complaining gets a bad rap. <laughs> oh, no one likes a complainer. No one likes a critic. But you know what? We need critics. Without critics, there is no progress. So people who say critics are no good usually just don't want to hear criticism. And that's fine. Sometimes we have to shrug off criticism. But let's not pretend that there's no role in that. And there is gratitude built in. The critic, the complainer, is trying to build a better world, ultimately. And that is an act that is wrapped up in the gratitude for how things could be. I'm curious because I know for me, this art of noticing and slowing down and even being able to focus on, you know, even on the dog walks, it isn't natural. It's going against my programming of get it done, hustle, 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 keep pushing forward, be as productive as possible. And is that something you have struggled with or? Of course I struggle with it. I think everyone does. And I think there are even evolutionary reasons for, you know, we're in, we're built to seek out threats and rewards. If you leave this interview with just one thought, it is please stay off your phone while you're walking. Be with your dog while you're walking your dog. Your dog's not going to be there forever. Take those moments. It's a great move to try to figure out what is your dog paying attention to. And, you know, zero in on that like what's he smell or he or she smelling where are they looking at what are they hearing it's kind of using that mindset like adding this to the menu of things that you need to get done and that you find value in and my hope is that there's a sort of degree of gateway drugness to this that once you have the experience of you know maybe having an unexpected epiphany that you will find value in it Okay, buddy. Let's get the leash. Get moving. Yeah, come here. Let's do it. Let's do it, do it. Here we go. Okay, so it is crack o'clock, early in the morning. Waterston and I are headed out for our walk. I feel a little goofy talking into my phone, but here we go. We're going to be noticing. I'm going to try to notice whatever Waterston follows. We have lots of bunnies around here, so I'm assuming I'm going to be doing a lot of bunny noticing. But it is a beautiful, sunny, cool morning here in Ohio. He's all weirded out because I keep looking at everything he's looking at. <laughs> I always try to be really aware in our walks, but just bringing my attention to looking around and not usually on our walks, I'm going through my to-do list and figuring out my plan for the day. So trying to shut that off and just be present is different. And then the number of times I have to bring myself back to, 
you know, we're noticing, we're just noticing instead of um, letting my mind go into the to-do list and all that stuff. This is a fascinating how squirrely the mind is. The other thing I wanted to notice was red, because that is something that stands out easily. So or as we head towards Main Street, there's red umbrellas and red stop signs, red stop lights. Even the library has windows are red. Okay, let's cross the street. Red in a basketball hoop. <laughs> red tail lights. The red in the bricks. The red of Watterson's tongue. And the red leaves and the red trees. The trees look red, but it's just the leaves are red. Now my brain is just constantly scanning for red, 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 red. Which is very different than how I normally do a walk. It's But the red really causes me, my brain, to hook into something different. Because I can look for... Now when I see something red, I'm like, ooh, red, ooh, red. As opposed to, as I said, going through the to-do list. So it gives my brain something to do, which I think is helpful. But even like noticing the red in the American flag, the red in the signs... It is fascinating to me how the more I do this, the more I notice. And it is a form of gratitude, I think, gets you in that mindset of gratitude because you're just slowing everything down, you know, that we can take this walk every morning through this beautiful space and be safe and see other friendly people and just it's makes me very grateful so I do think that this is what I love about this is what I believe gratitude is is going deep and slowing everything down and being able to appreciate what it is you have rather than Rather than it being just something I tell myself to pull myself out of a bad mood. Still finding the red in the no parking signs, the red in the bricks of the Capitol Stadium. Now we are headed down the alley towards our home and headed back. Noticing the red and the someone painted their garage door red, the people door. There's a red car. My mom and some of the family members always say that the cardinal, which is red, is the state bird of Ohio, and um, we have a lot of them around here. And mom will always say whenever she sees a cardinal, 
that it's dead. There's always, there's a belief that people who have passed inhabit the cardinal. I don't know where that came from. But um, I, for a long time when I was doing these walks, I would hear what I now know is a pigeon <laughs> or a dove, um, morning dove, would hear that and think of, and the sound would remind me of my home, my parents' home, and so it would remind me of my dad. And so that sound would always bring him alive to me. And um, I love it when we're walking the dog. I haven't heard one this morning, but I love it when we're walking the dog and I hear that sound because it, it makes me think of him. Okay, we're round on the corner. Here we go, Watterson. Here we go. Finish everything up. We did it. Thanks for going on our walk with us. <laughs> you ready, buddy? As I sunk into the art of noticing on my walk with Watterson and went deeper with my gratitude, I was able to relax and really savor that cool July morning while holding the memory of my dad with me. That is the power of gratitude. It's the same with that story I told earlier about sharing my hard experiences with my dad and his dementia with my friend at the bar. Despite that negative experience, I was able to find gratitude in the little moments with him. I could slow myself down and notice moments of connection, soaking up one of his hugs, savoring a voicemail message he left. Even now, paying attention to the cardinals and morning doves on my morning walk, noticing him and the gifts he gave me. That's it for this week. Next time, we're going to talk about spiraling, but not exactly in the way you might think. We'll talk to an expert on the mind-body connection about getting out of our heads and into our bodies. And I'll be taking a special trip to a place where meditation and movement intertwine. That's next time on The Happier Approach. The Happier Approach is produced by Nikki Stein and me, Nancy Jane Smith. Music provided by Pod5 and Epidemic Sound. For more episodes, to get in touch, or to order a copy of my book, The Happier Approach, you can visit live-happier.com. And if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. It actually helps us out a lot. Special thanks to Rob Walker for speaking with us for this episode. You can find more information about Rob, order his book, and subscribe to his newsletter where he shares prompts, icebreakers, and conversations for incorporating the art of noticing into your everyday life at robwalker.net. The Happier Approach will be back with another episode in two weeks. Take care. Until then.